0: Hey, it's
1: great to be with you. Really good to be here, Corey.
0: I am excited about this episode. And for everybody that's listening right now, this is not going to be your typical podcast where we talk about taxes. We'll probably get into that. But Tom, for everybody that's listening right now, can you just give a better description of a little bit about who you are? Then we'll go into what we're going to talk about.
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. So I will admit I'm a tax nerd. Um, I've been doing it for 40 years. I actually started my first employment was in my family business, my father's business, and I worked for my mother. She was uh, his controller, and I was her bookkeeper. So I got my start in bookkeeping when I was about 14 years old and did that all the way through high school. And then I spent two years in France learning how to get rejected in French as a Mormon missionary. And then I worked with the big firms, Ernst & Young, Price Waterhouse, been in a Fortune 500 company as an in-house tax advisor and I built a number of CPA firms, built a large CPA firm in Phoenix, sold it. And then I built a network of CPA firms and now we're converting everything to franchise. So we're the first tax advisory franchise in the US to my knowledge, and we're building a worldwide franchise. In the meantime, I was an adjunct professor at Arizona State University in their master's of tax program. And I've been very, very fortunate to spend many years traveling around the world speaking with Robert Kiyosaki of Rich Dad Poor Dad fame. He and I are good friends. We learn from each other constantly. He's a great mentor.
0: Yeah. And that was how I originally found you was through your book, right? And I've been a big student of trying not to pay taxes and trying to understand what you do. But today, we're going to go something where I think that probably a lot of people have not heard you talk or speak a lot of maybe. Something that I'm passionate about as well is preparing our youth, right? A lot of you that are listening right now, you probably have kids and family and things like that. And I would love to talk about your philosophy behind trying to raise good men and women in this world. That's crazy.
1: No, I love that. I think this is such an important topic, especially for fathers, frankly. I think hopefully every family has a mother, but not every family has a father. And I think back on the role of my father as well as my mother, And my mother had an interesting idea when they were older, my mother and father brought us all together and said, so here's the deal. They were probably in their 60s and they said, we've taught you how to get out on your own. We're not going to leave you any money. Really, her thought was, we want to break even. We don't want to leave you any debt. But really what we wanted to leave you with was a view of the world and an insatiable appetite for learning. And that's what, for me, I look at that. All my siblings were all in different fields to an extent. I mean, I have three brothers and we're all entrepreneurs. So literally son, grandson, great-grandson of an entrepreneur, and then siblings that are entrepreneurs. At the same time, I look at that and I'm going, okay, but what we all are is we're all curious and we all want to learn. And none of us thinks we know everything. And when I think about raising my kids, I love with my younger son, especially he and I have heated discussions at times because he has a different view of the world. And I'm going, you know what? I love, love, love that he is comfortable having that discussion
0: with me. Which makes for good conversation, by the way, because if you had just a yes person all the time or someone not challenging you in some sort of way Then it's like, well, because here's the challenge I've always had, like raising my kids. I was pretty dominant for a long time in the younger part of my kids' life. So they didn't want to disappoint, right? Right. And I was probably a little bit more, I will say, too forceful. I look back and be like, I wish I was not as forceful, right? Towards the later part of their high school years, that's when I started to lighten up. And I was like, you know what? Who cares? Just you go do you. And I just want to be a little bit more in the dad, giving you a lot of the tools in my point of view, but they got to learn how to fly. So you got to give them space.
1: My mother always used to say it's all about wings and roots. So she always felt like her job was to feel like we all had roots in our values, in our education, how we dealt with other people. Yeah. She wanted us to have wings. She felt like one of her greatest accomplishments when they were... Empty Ministers is that none of her children lived next door to her. Yeah. They all lived in different cities, different states, even different countries. Right. And she was very proud of that, that she allowed everybody to have really, really a big wingspan.
0: Yeah. But that's the foundation, right? And so what does that look like? I think some people don't have a good vision of what that really represents. I feel like I got it for my family. It was a cohesive family unit, right? Right. There was things and words like for us, for me growing up, is like, it's the Peterson way. This is how the Petersons do it, right? Or you're a Peterson. And it was like a weird deal, but it was kind of also like a badge, right? But I think it starts at the kitchen table. What's your thoughts on it, Tom? Really,
1: I think a lot of it comes down to values. My dad had very specific order of what he valued. Number one was my mother. Literally, he valued her over everything else. Number two was God in his world. And number three was the children. But his wife came before God. And I've never had known anybody else like that, that said, well, you know what? That marriage bond was more important to him than anything else. And I see it in my siblings. It's had a big impact. It's Not that none of us have been divorced. I've been divorced. But I will say that we try harder. Yeah. Even when you have difficulties, it means that you try harder. So honestly, I'm not sure that there's good and bad values. I think there's my values and your values. I think what's important is is that our kids grow up with established values. And I'll give you another one. My dad valued hard work. He was a hard worker. And I sometimes resented it because on the one hand, he worked long hours in his business. And on the other hand, on weekends, he made me work. <laughs> But what I found was what I learned from him is that I became a hard worker and not because I liked working when I was young, but because that was a value. And when I look at my kids, my younger son, the one I have the discussions with, he just fought everything. He did. He fought everything. But now he's one of the hardest workers I know. And so I think that a lot of what we teach is by example and it's not by words.
0: It's what you do and not what you say, right? That's the transfer, right? Um, it's funny because all your kids are different. They're like different things wire them. And it's really weird because I think there's a default setting that they go back to, even if they're fighting you, like even my daughter has fought me for a bit. And then now that she's going to be a junior in high school or college, things are starting to change a little bit. I see the progression and it's really interesting. Now my son picked it up really early and I call it like passing the baton because what you really wanting to transfer it. I think you said it in the opening, the best is the thirst for knowledge, right? Like I've been an entrepreneur since my kids have been little. They've seen it. We've talked about it, right? But they don't understand that until they have to start going out and do some stuff, right? When you see that start to show up in their work ethic, and we use sports as our, that was our lesson, right? And I don't know about you, Tom, but my biggest challenge, I think people that are listening to this podcast that have become wealthy- that's the real challenge. How to not screw your kids up when you make so much money?
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I was actually with my friend Robert Kiyosaki earlier, and we were talking about that because he's got a good friend who's very, very wealthy, and his kids, are they don't know how to work. And I'm going, Robert and I both share something. We had dads who are tough and who expected a lot of us and didn't give us any money. <laughs> It's hard sometimes because, I mean, by most accounts would be fairly successful financially and not a billionaire, but certainly I'm not missing anything in my life. Yeah. Actually, my kids know that anything that they wanted, I would give them, but they don't ask unless I ask them because they understand that what I want them to learn is I want to learn how to work. I want them to learn about how to handle their own money. So my younger son, Both of them, by the way, work in my business. But my younger son also has his own business and does a lot out there. And for me, he does sales in our business. So he's got that entrepreneur bug and always has in him. Yeah. Not everybody does.
0: Not everybody does.
1: My older son, no entrepreneurial bug at all. He really wants to be, you know, nine to five is his perfect situation.
0: Yeah. In the family, hey, listen, I'm down. I'm cool being right here and I can support that. But I don't want to go out and try to go hunt and kill. Because not everybody's crazy, built crazy. Entrepreneurs are crazy, right?
1: Exactly. We are completely nuts. We're all ADHD and completely bonkers. I think what's important is that both my kids, I mean, they have to learn about money. They have to be on their own. I'll help them out where they need to, but I'm not lavishing gifts and fancy cars and stuff like that. I think it's important. We want our kids to have what we didn't have. But we can't miss out on giving our kids what we did have. Yes, and I think that's something that we, as parents, we mess up a lot. I did a podcast, my own show, Wealthability Show, a couple of years ago, and it was with a guy who <laughs> he wrote a book. He called it "The Worst Generation." He was talking about millennials, and what's interesting was my son. By the way, my sons are both millennials, but my younger son hated hated the title of the book and title of the podcast. I said, "I get that." But what's interesting is he said, it's all our fault. It's the baby boomers' fault. There are kids. So I hear people, especially baby boomers, and it drives me crazy. They complain about millennials. I love millennials. So my business partners, two out of my three business partners are millennials. Okay. The other one's a Gen Xer, but two out of my three business partners or millennials, my staff, mostly millennials. Yeah, And I find them to be very hard workers. I find them to be very caring. I think they're great. I don't have those issues. I hear people talk about, oh, the millennials are this, the millennials are that. I'm going, well, whose fault is that? If they are, whose fault is that? I mean, come on, that's mom and dad's fault.
0: Yeah, it falls down absolutely to their core values and what they were brought up to. And so for me, one of the biggest things that I did is we've lived in the same neighborhood now for, I think, 17 years. And so 17 years ago, when I first kind of got in real estate, it was the house that we could afford, right? And so now we out-earned the neighborhood quite substantially, but we still live there. And it was the greatest lesson for my kids to see that, like, when we went on vacation, like, when we go on a family vacation, it's like, whatever we want to do, that's, I'm in, right? So it's like, hey, dad, we go to Hawaii, Let's get in the helicopter and go toward the island. I'm like, that's a great idea. But my kids, if we were with another family, they would never, ever, ever ask that in front of anybody. And if they did, it would be way to the private side because the last thing we'd want to do is offend another family or make them feel like they would have to participate and they may not be financially able to do it. And Who are we to put them in that spot?
2: Hey, this is Shelly Peterson, Corey's better half. My husband shares amazing stories of the good, bad, and ugly of apartment investing. And while many of you want to do this yourselves, we have found that a lot of you would like to invest alongside with us. If that is you, I want to invite you to get on a short webinar where we discuss our deal room and how you can be a part of our private investor club. Go to kahunainvestments.com forward slash webinar and register now you won't be disappointed. Again, go to KahunaInvestments.com forward slash webinar, and we look forward to sharing our private deal room with you.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. So I'll give you a really interesting example of what you're talking about. Years ago, I lived in Washington, DC. Well, I lived in Maryland, but I worked in Washington, DC. And one of my favorite people that I met there and got to know a little bit was Bill Marriott of Marriott Corp. He's a billionaire, right? I mean, this is a very, very, very wealthy guy. I got to go to a Christmas party at his house. It was a very modest house. Yeah, it was in Chevy Chase. I mean, it wasn't a cheap part of the world, but it was clearly the house they'd raised their kids in. And they did not leave that house until their kids were grown. And they wanted to keep their kids in that stable environment. They didn't want them to feel like they were different from other kids. Really just a very, just grounded. And their kids, very grounded, all working in the business, One of the things I appreciated most about him is he said, so we knew each other through church, and he actually told all of the church members, the church leaders in my area, he said, the job of Marriott Corporation is to provide jobs. So if you have anybody who doesn't have a job, you send it to me, we'll get them employed. And that was the whole point is because he wanted people to work. And I think that's a big issue that we have is if we don't work, I think we don't value ourselves if we're not working. I think work is such an important aspect of feeling comfortable with who we are and that we're contributing.
0: Yeah, I think the more your kids get to experience that, even like most of us, I'm one generation from a hard time. My dad was a roofer, owned his own roofing company, but that was hard work. And so I got introduced to hard work very young. And there's a stigmatism that we should not let our kids experience that. But I think there's a lot of pride that comes through working, right? There's a lot of satisfaction that comes through getting stuff done. And to deny them that or let them think that it's okay, I think this is where we got to push a little bit and say, hey, you need to learn the ways of life and prepare them so they can leave the nest, like you said, like your mom and dad did.
1: Yeah, I feel so fortunate growing up in a family business. My dad and his brother started this printing company themselves. They had some financial backing from their dad. Uh, who'd been successful in a construction company, but they started it from scratch. And my dad loved the artistic side of it. And his brother was the business side of it. And we all got to work there. So we all worked in different aspects of it. Like I had a brother and a sister worked in the art department. I had a brother worked in the press room, worked in the dark room. And I worked in the accounting department. And I just think what a blessing that was because i actually got to see other people work and i got to see how my dad treated his employees he was great with them absolutely terrific with his employees and they were part of our family and i loved being around that he knew everybody in town this is in Salt Lake city utah he knew everybody and everybody knew him and he'd introduce us when we were young we'd go to the rotary club and we'd meet the titans of business. And so for us, it just became, oh, well, these are just normal people. They're nothing special.
0: These are just normal people. But it's also, I mean, think about this. I think this is an important part of that too, is connections, right? It's not who you know, it's who or what you know, it's who you know, and how well you know them and introducing that concept of networking and people. My dad was really private when I grew up. So I never got to see that. It took a business mentor to show me that world. And I was like, oh my God, I was missing, like, that's a whole nother thing that I absolutely, and we thrive in that environment, right? To get that indoctrination and to see it as a young man or woman, that's priceless.
1: Oh, I think so. My kids early on met Robert Kiyosaki, and I've got friends that I've traveled with, and they brought their kids. They brought them to Australia and South America and Europe. And I think that, letting your kids know, really introducing them to that idea that people are people and it doesn't matter if they're rich people, poor people, middle-class people, it doesn't matter. They're all people.
0: It doesn't matter.
1: It just doesn't. My dad also was always doing charity work. Yeah. He's always doing charity work. And so we knew that was part of what we were supposed to do. And so we met people that we would not meet on a daily basis. Just like when we was at Rotary, we met people we would not meet on a daily basis. And so I think having that expansive view of people and the world was really a huge part of learning as a young person, really getting those roots at the same time, feeling like I could have the wings.
0: Yeah. And really giving youth the opportunity to do charity work as well. Like I'm a here in Chandler. I'm a Chandler compadre and we raise a lot of money for our local boys and girls club and some other charitable organizations. But one of the my favorite things to do is we do a Christmas drive and we actually go and deliver the presents. Well, guess who it's not me. Well, I go there and chaperone and drive the car, but my kids for the last 3 or 4 years have come along and they are the ones that are presenting all the gifts and Realizing how fortunate we are because a lot of people that we're helping, it's been hard times for them and to see the love and the gift. And this is why we do this work, right? Yeah, we're trying to make money for a company, but that's only a piece of what we do, right? And it's not about money at all, really. Once you get past that layers, it's never about money. It's about people, right? And making impact.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, so in our company, our saying is we have entrepreneurs serving entrepreneurs. That's why we created a franchise of owner, operator, tax advisors, is we want people serving people. And the people we like to serve are mission-driven entrepreneurs, yeah. people with a mission, whether it's a mission for their business or it's a charitable mission or it's a family mission, but they're mission-driven. It's not about the money. Now, we need money to be able to serve. We serve better when we have our needs met and when we can help other people meet their needs. But it really is, what is driving us? Is it people? Is it money? Is it mission?
0: Yeah. So since we're on it too, let's just talk, open that a little bit more because what you guys do, the way Tom thinks is radically different than most tax advisors. And I think you said it earlier, you said an entrepreneurial tax advisor, someone that understands. And I've heard you speak, you do very good at this. Can you explain what that really means from your point of view?
1: Well, so in the tax world, unfortunately, we've had a big shift in our profession over the last 30 years. And we used to have the big four accounting firms, and then we'd have a couple of regional firms. And then we had a bunch of independent entrepreneur firms. And what's happened is a big consolidation. It's like a lot of industries, right? There's been a big consolidation. The challenge with that consolidation is it's like, it used to be, I remember 30 years ago when you went out to eat, it was probably a mom and pop restaurant. It was rarely a franchise unless you were grabbing a burger at McDonald's. I mean, literally that was the franchise, right? McDonald's or Wendy's or something like that. But you didn't go to a steakhouse for a franchise. I mean, you went to a steakhouse. It was like in Phoenix, it was Durant's, right? You'd go down to Durant's and that was the steakhouse. And it was a real independently owned steakhouse. Well, the challenge in our industry is that Now, you, what you have is you have a bunch of employees of nondescript firms, and they're just trying to get work in and out the door. That's all they're trying to do. What our mission is really to get, because we love entrepreneurs, because I love entrepreneurs, is really allow a small, independent firm to have the systems they need and the support they need to be able to compete with the larger firms and have the training that the larger firms have or better than the larger firms. But at the same time, they've got the independence to be able to think on their own, to be able to act on their own, to be able to understand that, wait a minute, I'm in the same place as my client. They're trying to build their business. I'm trying to build my business. They're trying to reduce their taxes. I'm there to help them reduce their taxes, but I got to first reduce my taxes. I mean, all of it is, I think entrepreneurs are the lifeblood of the world. And I think the more that we can support them and help them, and I'd rather be around entrepreneurs than anybody else.
0: Oh, me too. Oh my gosh, if I could pick anybody to hang out with because they all understand that failure is part of the game, right? And ideas come and go. It's really intoxicating when you get around a bunch of entrepreneurs. It is a really nice, fun place to be around because there's life and there's just a little something extra I think that they all bring to the table. And there's that crazy factor, right? It's like these ideas, some are wild, some are not so wild, but you wrap it around a good team. And that's really what you are talking about is you're part of the team of the collective. And most people, even for me, you know, I've had a lot of good mentors in my life to help me with my tax issues or like with solving what I call complex tax problems, right? And most people don't have that. They don't have someone trying to understand where they're at, what their business does, and how they can um, mitigate that.
1: Right. And that's actually why I wrote Tax-Free Wealth is really to bring solid tax education to the general population, because it's always been the purview of the rich and they've got good tax advisors. Like you say, you've had good tax advisors. Well, you can afford it, but the average person can't afford that, generally speaking. Yeah, I mean, the average person couldn't afford my rates for sure. But could they afford the rates of my franchisee? Absolutely. So this is why, for me, the franchise is so important to go along with the books and the education. The speaking is so that the average investor, the average entrepreneur who was wanting to build wealth, is wanting to provide for the family, is wanting to do good in the world. They can use capital that they would otherwise give over to the government and legally keep it for themselves so they have that capital to reinvest.
0: Yes. And that's going deep. That's a beautiful mission and goal of what you're building is not just to affect that top line, those wealthy people, you're going down into the roots of where people really live. And that is a radical movement and we want to help it.
2: Hey, would you like to learn more about Kahuna Investments in our deal room? Let's do virtual coffee. Book a 15-minute call with us so we can learn more about your investment goals and how Kahuna Investments can help. Go to com forward slash coffee to book your call today. Again, that's com forward slash coffee. Let's have some virtual coffee and get to know one another.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Most independent CPAs I and mean, even the big firms, they want rich people. They say we want high net worth clients. I'm going, you know, it's never been my goal in life to make rich people richer. That's just never been interesting to me. It's why I stopped working for the big companies. You're right. I mean, I was in either big four or fortune 500 for 13 years, I'm going, that's enough of making rich people richer. What I want to do is I want to make the person who is willing to learn. I want to help them learn what they need to learn in order for them to reach their dreams. Because that's what we do is we help people reach their dreams because you really can't do it. If you're paying a lot of tax, I mean, as you know, I mean, you know, real estate, a massive opportunity there.
0: Oh my God.
1: But the reality is if you run the numbers, it's really hard to retire well, if you're paying a lot of taxes. And so that's why you get people putting their money into 401ks and IRAs is because, All they can think of is, well, I'll be in a lower tax bracket when I retire. I've just never met anybody who want to make less money when they retired than they did while they were working.
0: No, they want to make more.
1: (laughs) They want to make more, and yet you can't do that with a 401k. You can't do that with an IRA. It's really hard to do. On the other hand, you can do it in things that government wants you to do, where the government incentivizes. Is why I wrote the Win Win Wealth Strategy. That's about building wealth, and whether it's real estate, business, agriculture, energy whatever it is that the government says, look, we need more farmers. We need more ranchers. We need more entrepreneurs. We need more technology. Whatever the government needs more of, you can absolutely be guaranteed. They're going to be massive tax benefits. And so really for us, we just want to help people see what's possible.
0: Understand the game, right?
1: Understand the game and actually give them a choice. Give them a choice between paying a lot of tax and not having to worry about it and paying very little tax doing what the government wants done.
0: Yeah, it sounds so simple, but it's complicated, and to actually get it through. But really, again, it may not be that hard, right? Like when you have the right people around you and the right strategists, and like when you say your model, you can get access to people that will give you that type of advice and can guide you and provide kind of a, I'm say a lighthouse, right? When you're out there in the ocean of the crazy waters of entrepreneurship, you need something that's certain that you can count on.
1: One of my heroes in business is Steve Jobs. And another is Elon Musk. And why are they heroes to me? Well, because what they've done is, Henry Ford was maybe the first to do this. They took a great invention. We already had electric cars before we had Tesla. We already had solar panels before we had Tesla. We already had phones. We already had computers before we had Steve Jobs. But what did they do? they turned the whole thing into a process and a system that anybody could use. They made it so easy for use and they made it affordable. And so that's really what our mission is. Let's make it affordable for you to get the information you need and the transformation you need so that you're no longer dependent on wall street. You're no longer dependent on your employer and you're no longer dependent on the government. You can be independent of all three.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, Tom, as we go to wrap this thing up, I want to thank you again for like, we've just covered a lot. And I love the stories of our kids and trying to get our youth into a position of success. And really what you're doing on the CPA or on the tax advisory side, to give just the average people access to knowledge and information that can truly move the needle. Looking for books or books that you've read lately that's really kind of turned your needle or, or something that's really driven you lately.
1: The book, it's a couple of years ago. I read Who Not How, Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy's book. And the challenge with, I'm an A student. My biggest weakness is that I'm an A student. And because the challenge is, is you can do it all, right? I mean, when it comes to taxes, can I do a tax return? Yep. Can I give tax advice? Yep. Can I represent people before the Irish? Yep. Should I? No, because I had to be helping other people do that because I've got a vision of how to do it and a system for doing it that I can actually help a lot more people if I don't do it myself. The challenge is we get caught up in doing it yourself. I always think three most expensive words in the English language are do it yourself. So that book, Who Not How, I will tell you that was a complete life changer for me when it came to business.
0: You know, it's funny is I read that book as well. And then I thought about when I first started doing single family fix and flips, right? The first four houses, I did it all myself. Yep, And I did drywall halfway i did a horrible tile job yep. but it took me forever and i finally hired the who the speed it was actually cheaper In most cases it was actually cheaper so i didn't have to buy all the stupid tools and all that stuff you be like oh i didn't realize this or having to rip it up and do it again because i screwed it up right but yes great great book as we shut this thing down, words of advice, what would you tell our listeners that are listening to you right now? What last piece of advice would you like to give them?
1: Oh, I always say that I think the most important thing you can do is insatiable curiosity and learn to ask good questions. When Kiyosaki asked me to write Tax-Free Wealth, he came to me and said, you need a book. And he said, would you put a list in there of questions that they should ask a tax advisor? Somebody should ask a tax advisor. He said, I will. And it is. It's in chapter 23. But I said, I'm also going to put in there a list of questions they should ask you. Because I think what makes a good advisor is somebody who asks good questions. The most important thing my mother taught me was there are 50,000 answers to any question, and we probably only explored three. And if you look at somebody like Elon Musk, who right now is kind of the head entrepreneur of the world, right? What has he done? He asks different questions. That's what makes him different. He has a big view but he also asked different questions. Yes. What really has to happen here? And could we do it different?
0: Well, you watched that one video. There's a video where the guy's interviewing. I mean, he's like, hey, what about this rocket thing? Yep. Shouldn't you do it? He's like, wait a second, hold on. And then it shows in the next clip. He's like, yeah, one of the biggest improvement we did when you were talking about it, it sparked my th- mind. I was like, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm the only person in the world who's ever landed a 40-story building in the middle of the ocean right i mean do you have to ask different questions to do that so to me it comes down to having an insatiable curiosity and learning to ask good questions
0: awesome tom how do people get a hold of you and your process
1: well certainly my books are available anywhere books are sold they're fairly popular so gratefully so i do have the wealthability show which is a show i do for entrepreneurs and investors. And we cover a wide range of topics. Certainly don't limit it to tax at all. In fact, we do very little tax. But then we have on our website, wealthability.com, basically a free evaluation. So we'll give you a second opinion to see how your tax advisor is doing. And uh, we'll just look at your taxes and say, yes, you're doing great. Or you know what, you could do something different.
0: Awesome. We will definitely put that in the show notes as well, guys. So if you're listening and you're driving right now, you need to get that, just go to the show notes. You'll have it there. Tom, I want to thank you for your time, for coming on this podcast and just enriching us with your knowledge, your curiosity, and your mission and your vision for what you're doing with your company. It really is changing lives. So, guys, on this podcast, we try to bring you the best of people and do it in a way that most people would not recognize, right? So, thanks, Tom, for you sharing and playing with us full out. Guys, success is never by chance. It comes with a vision. You gotta take this little idea called entrepreneurship and you've gotta feed it, you gotta protect it. You've gotta hire people like Tom or the people in his syndication to come and give you the advice that you need to help build and grow your little thing, right? Success happens by choice, guys. If you believe it, you can achieve it. And your paradise is possible.